Hi, everyone. Today we have here with us Rich Francisco, Vice President of Automotive Market Development at TransUnion. If you're looking at consumer credit data, especially consumer auto credit data, Rich is the man to talk to. I'm Aaron Travis, the CEO of Keras, and Keras is the leading AI engine for auto finance. Data is the fuel that runs that engine, making TransUnion such a key partner for us. So, uh, Rich, I'm just going to uh, delve right into this here. Sure. First talk it, topic that I wanted to talk about was trended credit data, which is a hot topic. And I know a lot of uh, fintechs are using this and have been for a few years now. And TransUnion's been a leader in that. Um, can you tell us what is it and why is it important? Yeah, sure. Well, Aaron, I'm, I'm really happy to be here this afternoon with you. I uh, appreciate you inviting me to, to join you for this chat. Uh, and a great way to start um, because, um, you know, for, for certainly for auto finance, trended credit uh, data, and also alternative credit data for that matter, um, has been a very important topic for many years. Um, I recall at the AFSA auto finance conference a few years ago, um, I sat in on the credit committee meeting. This is maybe back in 2017. Uh, and a survey of the members showed that around 90% were either using or considering using trended credit data in risk models. So it's it's been in market for a number of years. And really the comparison I like to use is that uh, trended credit data is a moving picture versus a snapshot uh, from a traditional point in time credit data. So so what it does is it provides a, a trended or directional element for a consumer over time. And, and it provides lenders a view that they didn't have in the past, right? So uh, a view of the direction on the risks, risk spectrum a consumer is moving. Um, I'll give you an example, Aaron. Um, a consumer may be scoring as non-prime, um, but trending up in terms of, of credit overall, uh, on on-time auto payment behavior uh, just over the last months. And so it prevents a very different risk profile that auto lenders really need to see. Um, and, and really the primary advantage uh, is that it's, it's able to score more consumers um, and it, it scores with better precision. Uh, and I, I, you know, some of our analyses have, have showed that more consumers are scored with a lower risk profile. So overall, it's good for the consumer. Uh, provides auto lenders with a with a larger population of really scorable consumers, um, and so you know, what what does this do then? It it provides new insights that can help auto lenders make better decisions, uh, such as whether consumers are evolving versus transacting on unsecured cards. And and kind of the, the final analogy, Aaron, is is um, you know you think of an escalator, someone going up or down on that escalator in terms of credit. That's that's really what trended credit credit data does. Um, Okay, great. Thanks, Rich. Yeah. Yes, I know sure. that, that we're, we're all hyper-focused on that, especially yeah. in this environment coming out of, which was really a very distorted set of, of credit metrics in the pandemic and stimulus. Right. And, and so assessing credit today is probably as difficult as, as it has ever been when you think about those dynamics. So, so thinking about how a, a consumer or a borrower is trending has become much more important. So this kind of leads us into sort of the, the next topic, which is that pandemic policies of pandemic policies and how they've skewed the data. And how are you seeing from your seat that lenders are adjusting their data strategies and underwriting models for that, for that period? 
Yeah, Aaron, that's a really great and timely question because we are just starting to have some of those conversations with, with um, lenders who are considering uh, adjusting their credit strategy uh, and, and what, what data do they use pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Um, so as you think about, you know, to your question, how are, how are lenders adjusting? Uh, you know, pretty much lend, you know, lenders across the risk spectrum um, tightened credit policy during or just after the pandemic with the, with the amount of uncertainty that, uh, that was out there. Um, you know, perhaps that meant raising a, a score cutoff or, or, you know, to tamp down risk or perhaps reducing volume in, in non-prime segments. And so that, that certainly was happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, um, if lenders are doing model builds or model recalibrations um, from TransUnion's pr- perspective, it can be done with data that's, that's firmly on the other side of the pandemic, right? I, I don't think there's an arbitrary point that says when the pandemic ended, right? Okay, it was, you know, May of 2021. I, you know, we just don't know. But generally, you think it's late 2021 uh, when most government stimulus had ended, uh, you know, auto loan and other deferment programs were also ending, uh, et cetera. So, you know, the effect of that government stimulus, that's mostly behind us, I think. Um, but there is this open question of, of how to gauge consumer performance in that 2020 to 2021 timeframe, right? With, with all of that, uh, with all of the stimulus, uh, with uh, the, the deferment programs, I, I haven't really had conversations yet with lenders on, on how they will treat that data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, but I, when I mentioned you're fir- we're firmly on the other side of the pandemic, if you think about a lender building a model with say 18 months of performance data, if you pick a, you know, a, a time frame generally in, in sort of mid to late 2021, we're about 18 months out of that now. And so we're probably closing in on a, uh, a data point where consumers look a lot like they did pre-pandemic. And, and, and sticking on this topic for a second, Rich, sure. is, are you finding that, that, that lenders, as they do this modeling work, are, are going back a bit? a bit further historically or omitting or de-emphasizing that time period a bit? Yeah, great, great question, Aaron. And you're meaning the, that, you know, pandemic timeframe, 2020, 2021. I, we don't know yet. Um, I think that's still an open question, what to do with that performance period. Um, There's, there were some signals, you know, clearly, performance probably was, was uh, different than it would have been in a normal period, right? Because of all of that, all of the, the government support, et cetera. And, and loans performed a lot better than, than maybe they would have otherwise. Um, so I, you know, I just, we just don't know. Uh, I think we'll be getting the answer to that question here really, you know, probably late 23 or maybe as lenders start to think about recalibrating models in early 24. Um, so stay tuned, I guess, on that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Rich. And I know yeah. that, that here at Keras, we've done a lot of work on and, 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 and with a lot of the data that, that we get from mm-hmm. TransUnion in sort of, you know, how do you how do you mitigate that skewed data? You still have to use it. It's still part of mm-hmm. a borrower's credit profile, but handling that is certainly tricky. And then to make things even trickier, all the platforms that are out there and the strategies around increasing your credit score or what mm-hmm. sometimes is called uh, credit score inflation. Um, 
you know, how has that affected the credit bureau industry in general with all these new platforms, apps, websites that, mm -hmm. that give borrowers the ability to sort of, uh, you know, increase their credit score? I don't want to say that that it's it's certainly not not fraudulent. It's just these strategies, once mm -hmm. again, are another form of of skewing the credit decisions that, that us as lenders are making. Right. Yeah. So I think there's there's two things going on here. Aaron. you mentioned uh, and you mentioned both of them. Um, one is uh, consumer permissioned score apps, um, such as Experience Boost, right? Um, mm -hmm. And the other, perhaps, is the resurgence of of credit repair, uh, which which has always been around, um, but I think has has um, seen a, a resurgence for for one reason or another. And, and that's where someone will tell you know consumer, for example, that by disputing delinquencies um, in the short term, you can raise a credit score, right? That, that, of course, may only be short-lived if there's any effect. Um, so let me, let me talk about the effect on, on the industry or the credit bureau industry from an auto lending perspective. Um, for, for the former, right, the consumer permission score um, uh, application, you know, in auto lending, the, the effect is a bit unknown. Um, and in, in talking with some lenders, it has no effect, right, because... As you know, you know dealers and, and lenders need real-time information mm -hmm. um, as they're as they're working on applications, as they're working with consumer. And a delay for consumer interaction, right, to permission that data may result in a dealer sending that application elsewhere, right, uh, or the, the consumer just just you know walking out of the FMI office. Maybe someone will figure out how to make make this sort of um, uh, service real time, but again, that that time factor for automotive lending is is really critical. Uh, you, you know, from a from a score inflation perspective, uh, thinking back through the pandemic, uh, there, there certainly was uh, this this sort of uh, you know issue of, of of scores. You know, consumers who previously would score as a as a non prime suddenly scoring as a prime, and and it was happening. Um, through the pandemic and, and a, a transunion analysis showed that this was more around forbearances and payment holidays uh, that were uh, that were granted on auto and mortgage and student loans that caused this short-term upward score drift or as you, as you mentioned at credit credit score inflation um, that happened during the pandemic um, it is it has since really corrected itself and um, consumers now are looking more like they did pre-pandemic. So we did see this short-term kind of blip uh, of mm -hmm. this uh, kind of score inflation. So, but at, at TransUnion, we, we really have focused considerable effort on on what we we term, and I think the, the industry overall is termed financial inclusion. That's really to expand how we're looking at uh, specifically to help consumers build credit in a responsible manner, right? To increase access to credit around the world. And, and consumer permissioned, you know, score apps are, are likely one of those tools, right? It, it puts the power in the consumer's hands to make decisions really that are good for them, right? That are, you know, sound financial decisions to improve your credit standing. That makes a ton of sense, Rich. And I yeah. think that collectively, you know, with with our, our, our data partners like TransUnion and of many lenders are trying to build models or approach lending from the perspective of mm -hmm. how do we reward those consumers, mm -hmm. those borrowers 
that are, are, are really headed, and this goes back towards trending data, uh, mm-hmm. so we, we can see it more clearly, are, are really um, making efforts to, to have more financial wellness. Tracking that can, can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. And then that ties us into uh, alternative data, which I, I can tell yeah. you, um, Karis is always looking for alternative data sources that show us signal that might look a little bit outside of your tra- traditional um, data. Now, what are you seeing on the the alternative data side? And, um, you know, I, we're working closely with you guys. So you guys have done some great work there mm-hmm. and I can say that, but I'll ask you that question about well, alternative you. data and some of those selection strategies. Sure. Um, you know, I, I'd mentioned previously uh, that, that ASA survey uh, about uh, alternate trended and alternative data and, and certainly auto lenders across the risk spectrum um, have adopted alternative data for their underwriting models. Um, and, and it's, it's been a, an important part of, of underwriting strategy in the last number of years. Uh, but really, you know, when we talk about alternative credit, credit data, Aaron, um, it's really non-traditional consumer credit data that has been made FCRA compliant, right? There's a lot of other data uh, that's available in the marketplace that that isn't, you know, FCRA compliant could be used for, you know, for some sort of uh, risk assessment, right? But it can't be used for a, a credit decision. Um, so I'm talking about really, you know, FCRA compliant data. Um, this mm-hmm. can include checking um, and debit activity, uh, short-term lending data, address stability, right? Which is is really important in terms of know, you know knowing a consumer and, and where they are and where they've been, um, cl- even clubs and subscription data, right? Uh, and, and then finally, you, you know, we talked about just before, consumer permissioned uh, income data, right? Con- um, for income verification or also for, for risk selection. Um, but lenders will, will validate some or all of that available data. Um, and, and, you know, these, these, they'll find which data points provide a positive contribution to their model. And it, and it really varies, right? Uh, and, and you probably um, know that just as well as, as anyone on the, on the lender side, right? Uh, the result's going to vary from, say, a subprime lender to a full spectrum or a superprime lender. What, what data really makes an impact in that selection strategy? Um, you know, a, a checking or debit data activity might be really um, informative for the risk model or a, uh, for a subprime lender, but may have no effect whatsoever when you're talking prime and super prime. Great. Thanks, Rich. And yeah, sure. uh, yes, it is uh, the uh, somewhat new frontier is having this sort of cash flow approach to assessing credit mm-hmm. risk for, for a borrower. And a, sure. a lot of those that opt in banking data, and there's a, a bunch of providers of that uh, as of now. And I, I want to ask about what's on the horizon for TransUnion. But um, when it comes to auto lending, you touched on this earlier. What makes it a, a, a bit trickier than a lot of than the sort of the direct consumer lending that happens in almost every other asset class is that sort of uh, that third party, that dealer that's sitting in between mm-hmm. the borrower and the lender. And uh, because a lot of the data that we're referring to now is is in that opt-in bucket, it makes that process a little bit trickier. And I know that everyone's uh, working through that. But um, to to sort of um, bring this to a close, I want to ask what is on the on the, on the horizon for TransUnion? Um, 
of course, I know some of these things because we, uh, we, we, we often talk. Uh, I can say this from experience, and most people who are listening to this will probably agree. There is um, uh, there's data collection is very fragmented. So I uh, kind of teeing up this last question, you know, what can we expect next from TransUnion? Yeah, um, great, great question. And it does tie really well to to our conversation. And and you did mention, you know, data providers and lenders are constantly searching for that next data source that can provide um, a level of improved insight into a consumer's credit worthiness. Um, the two, two relatively new data sources I'll mention include uh, uh, buy now, pay later data, uh, which you may not someone listening may not understand, you know, know what that is exactly, but you, you probably have seen it. Um, everyone probably has seen it, right? Or received some sort of um, BNPL offer, which is, you know, a relatively new lending uh, segment. It's expanded um, considerably through startups, but also traditional lenders. Um, you know, uh, large banks will, will offer it. And it's, it's really a financial product a consumer can use to finance a specific purchase over a, a short period of time. The collection and the reporting of that data and making it you know, FCRA compliant on a, on a credit report is, is, has been somewhat challenging because of its short time period. Um, but TransUnion is, is figuring that out and making that data available. Um, and the second is, is what we've talked about, that consumer permissioned cash flow uh, type of, of, of data. So, you know, balances through access to bank account information, um, which for example, could increase credit access for consumers with thin credit history, or it could be used, say, for income and employment verification, right? Um, so a couple examples that that um, TransUnion is working on, uh, you've probably seen them already in, in some of the things that you're working on, Aaron. The, you know, there, there's other data sources you'd think would provide really improved risk assessment, you know, rental data, maybe even social media usage, right? But there's, there's always that critical factor of making sure the data is compliant with regulatory requirements. And, and in the case of rental data, for example, you know, there isn't a national repository of, of rents, right? With, with so many landlords, it, it becomes in, incredibly complex to manage. And so making that data available you know, for risk assessment is, is, uh, is incredibly challenging. So, you know, TransUnion strategy really is to, to make use of, of all types of data that, that can help a consumer get the best product at the best price and, and helping, you know, uh, lenders um, and and uh, platforms like Keras, right? Mm -hmm. Best accounts, right? Right, while managing risk exposure. Um, and and at the end of the day, I think that is the most important piece, right? Linking the consumer um, and the lender to each each make the best decision. Well, great, Rich. I appreciate it. Great insights. Yeah. Um, sure, a, absolutely. A, a lot of good work that that we're, we're all doing together in um, making this a more more efficient market and like I had said earlier, really uh, rewarding those consumers and those borrowers that are sort of uh, that are headed in the right direction, using alternative data to do so. And um, I can tell you that uh, we look forward to uh, you know working with you uh, further and in, in accomplishing those goals. And appreciate your time today. And, and thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Thank you again for for uh, having me on. And and uh, yeah, I look forward to working with you uh, going forward as well. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm.